Hi, this is Cam Smith, and this is the podcast of Triple R's Eat It, a weekly radio show about food and drink broadcast live on Triple R from Melbourne, Australia every Sunday. Hope you enjoy the podcast and feel free to get in touch with us via the Triple R website. A happy winter happy solstice. solstice to all. Katarina, happy solstice. Good morning. Yes, it is too. I love Melbourne during this time anyway. It's yeah. about not this year, not 2020. No, not 20. Just the idea of winter is kind of a, a, a nice I thing, know. especially seeing our, our summers are getting so interesting. <laughs> <laughs> they are. But, of course, you associate winter mm. with food yeah. and restaurants. And that's and, and that's Shiraz or Barolos in your case. Yeah. <laughs> Another bottle of Barolo, sir. Yeah. Oh, ka-ching. Mia. <laughs> ka-ching. Not much ka-ching going yeah. on this year. Oh, honey. Oh. Um, well, as I said, I, I really wanted this to be sort of a bit of an uplifting show, and I couldn't think of anyone better to uh, ah. help out with that than give us a bit of an uplift with you. Um, Thank you. Well, Italians are good at that. Oh, yeah. They've, you know, um, Italians are always very philosophical, aren't they? Well, they are. And let me just tell you that uh, this time last week, I was with my two brothers and my chef and my daughter um, and a couple of others, and we were making salamis. And no COVID disaster was going to stop us from making them, yes. And uh, except that we had to do them in the restaurant this year rather than where my brothers would normally go. But it was fantastic. And so what COVID has done is allowed us to do things that we may not normally do. And let me tell you, there was lots of salami jokes. <laughs> <coughs> right. Yeah. So, salami you know, swinging going on there, was there? Lots of, yeah. <laughs> okay. Now, um, you have reopened, though, um, in, in a form, shall we say. Is, is that correct? Yes, yes. I, I reopened uh, on the 1st. Um, just for those that don't know, where, where's your restaurant, just to give people an idea? Yeah, so we're in Queen Street, uh, yep. 221 Queen Street, middle of the city. We only do lunches. We have very bad street presence, and a lot of people don't know about us, but that's kind of the beauty of Melbourne, isn't it? Yep. It's a you know, hidden, hidden, it's hidden one places. of those hidden treasures. Yeah, mm. it is. And, you know, I have to say to you, Cam, that um, you can have the most beautiful food and the most beautiful outfit or beautiful styling in a room, but, of course, if there are no customers, um, it, it kind of does lose its... It's, it's soul true. in a way, yes. but you know, but it, it's been okay because I think that um, you know Melburnians have been really fantastic during this period because everybody's bonded together. Yep. And I've spoken to people, other restaurateurs, uh, often that I would not normally do. Um, so with and and so because we're all in this together, um, Melbourne's been fantastic. I mean, we'll never see something like this again. I don't think. Oh, um, not in wood. my lifetime. Yeah. yeah, yeah no, I don't think it'll happen in my lifetime. Again, this is a big one, and uh, you know, to have your ability yes. to earn money—I I mean, it, it's really weird until it happens to you, and suddenly, if you have no money, you're just not spending money, and of course, that then affects the whole economy. But, uh, but you know, we can do it. It's—it uh, it hasn't been such a bad thing, and as long as we get uh, this uh, town up and running again, well, we've just got to abide by the rules, don't we? 
Well, I guess one of the great things about living in Australia is, first of all, we follow health advice and it hasn't become yep. politicised like it has in a lot of other places. Um, yeah. That it would appear that the well-being of the population is more important than the god of the economy, as is happening yeah. in other places overseas, and to just even uh, measures uh, like uh, wearing a face mask hasn't been politicised. So, thank God we live here, um, and we, as you say, we are all working through this as a community. Katerina, oh, we are. What have you been doing? I'm just wondering, have you been um, cooking at home? I know you've been spending a lot of time in the restaurant and you've been a shoulder for, well, a, um, uh, what are we, social distance shoulder for people to cry on um, yeah. and talk and stuff like that. But have you been cooking much at home and have you been doing anything different during this? Uh, well, the, the fact is that even though we trade Monday to Friday, I'm never home for dinner Monday to Friday. I'm only ever home Saturday and Sunday for dinner with my family. So really? it meant that I was coming home early. Yeah, because because I've got boozers in there, right? Now, so, and of course, that's ka-ching, ka-ching, ka-ching. But Barolo, people, Barolo, yes. yes. <laughs> well, I won't say most people, but a lot of people, like the first week that we opened, mm. um, people didn't leave till 6.37 at night. It was incredible. Oh, I miss and those civil lunches. Just, Sorry they, to cut you. know what, they... No, but, but you're absolutely right because people wanted to see their restaurants survive and they wanted to spend money. There was so much kindness. I I actually couldn't believe how beautiful people were. They, they, they were, you know, I'm, I'm thankful um, to any diner, but this time around it was really, really special. It really touched us, but not just me. They asked about my staff and, and all that, you know, and the chef and how they're doing. So that's a great thing that's brought everybody together. Um, and, of course, I have never seen so much pasta because we, we, we uh, reverted <laughs> to the uh, tutti a casa. Uh, and I've been watching you, and I know you've been doing lots of pasta sauces. You're good at that. What am I? Yeah. Oh, yes, you're, you're exactly. too kind. No, I should just say Cam no. Smith eat it. So there we go. Yep. <laughs> but you know what? People hmm. were uh, ordering from our Tutia Casa food kit. Basically, what does Casa mean? All from the everybody, all from the house. Everybody, everybody home. Everybody's uh, everybody. at home. Uh, Tutia Casa. Tutia Casa. Yeah. So we, we we came up with that little slogan on the twenty second of March, literally. And so what happened was that people were buying. Boxes of, I don't know, bolognese and veal ragouts and mushroom ragouts because a lot of people don't have time to stay at home and stir over their pots. Mm. And so I realised that that was a big thing and lots of filled pastas and lots of gnocchi and stuff like that. So it was incredible. And I know that people were ordering up big so it could last them a couple of weeks, you know, whack it in the freezer. Mm. Um, so even though we made no money with takeaway, it was never about making money. It was more about providing a service, saying people, we're here, because we have very bad presence in, in Melbourne in that we are underground, so you can't find us. It's a hidden and, treasure, uh, Hidden yeah, treasure. Oh, yeah. But bad for business in terms of our visibility. Yep. And, of course, um, the city um, was absolutely crucified, as you know, and as has been reported, and so it was really tough. So we just, you know, turned over a little bit of money and also... Um, you know, gave your chef and your manager a reason to come to work, you know, because people get depressed when they stay home too long. 
And, um, you know, because we are, we are creatures of, of habit. We go out for coffees or meet and for a drink. And we're social animals, Katerina. We, we are. We really, really are. Listen, I tell you I what, um, we're going to have to leave you and say, please, when this is all over, make bookings yeah. to all your favourite restaurateurs because they, uh, they need to come back. Um, Katerina, yeah. you are one of our best. Um, it's it's funny. You reminded me um, of another guy, Phil Kennedy from Pure South Dining, and he echoes what you said: is that most people are good, and some are just amazing. And it's yeah. great to have those people because we find the good ones, you know. We, oh, we, we, and, we do. And and Melbourne is dining capital, and they just want to see us all survive, and that's uh, what they're doing. So I thank Melbourne for that, and I thank you, Cam, because I know you're always there pushing the boundaries for us. So thank you so much. Well, you keep in touch too. We might um, keep a, abreast of your journey back to profitability and stuff like that. All right. Always good to have a chat with you, Katerina. And um, thank you so much. Have a beautiful day. Oh, I will. I'm going to go walking. I love Melbourne. Yeah, love and you, Melbourne. And then you also got to come back because uh, there's someone that I reckon you should meet, uh, Joe Barrett. You guys should get to know each other at yeah, some stage. Yeah, she's a bit of a gun. I hear that. Yeah, so, simpatico. Simpatico. Alla prossima. <laughs> See ya. Ciao, Cam. Bye. Thank you. Bye. All right, mate. Well, the first thing I have to do is say thank you for breakfast and good morning, John. Good morning, Cam. I'm glad you enjoyed it. What we had was a sticky rice ball called the Jung, uh, made by my neighbour Robert's mother-in-law. Uh, it's just uh, glutinous rice. It's got um, pork, pork fat, chestnuts and other things inside it. It's in funny shape thing. How would you describe it? It's hard to say. It's, uh, it's like an old sunny boy. Yeah, it's a, it's a tetra Mike, pack. You got it in one. Boom. Yeah, and that's wrapped in a corn leaf or a bamboo leaf and steamed. Yeah. Um, and I was just saying, when you're cold and miserable, it's the best thing to have for breakfast because it warms the insides and it lifts you up and all that fat and stuff. Well, it's not good for you, but you don't need it all day every day. So, yeah, it gets you going. Well, I want to just say a very, very big thanks. Um, <sighs> I feel better already. Now, um, you've um, got a little bit of show and tell for us to have a look at today. We, uh, just to position ourselves in the seasons, it's winter now. Yeah, definitely, and it's letting us know because um, sometimes the house is really warm um, and sometimes it's bloody cold. (laughs) (laughs) So, more than that, um, it shows up in the veggies. It's rather tragic. Um, this is the last of our Doncaster tomatoes. They still look beautiful. They're not as red as they were. They're more yellow than red. Mm. But the intensity is what people are going to miss. We've got the new batch of Murray Bridge. Again, not much redness. You can see the blue, bluey, yellowy, blue, yellowy veins. Yeah. <laughs> got blue on the brain today. Yeah. Um, inside the tomato, but they're ready to eat. Not as much oomph as a Doncaster tomato, but still beautiful. Yeah. And also, you know, now we've got Queensland beans, we've got Queensland corn, uh, we've got Queensland capsicums. Um, so we're lucky that they're able to send us vegetables because it's rather grim. Um, all the Victorian stuff's done, done and dusted. So really? Yes. Okay. And, the, you know, the, I reckon the really, really good news for people is passion fruit. Yeah, across the road had some Panama passion yesterday. I can't see them now. 
and they've just got the normal ones. So right. I know there's a few there. They're a buck a piece. Now, if you don't know what a Panama passion fruit is, it's twice the size of the other one, twice the juice, twice the flavour. Um, sometimes they're going to be up to two, three dollars each. Uh, they've got some there for a dollar, so go and try them. Beautiful, and make um, passion fruit ice cream or a passiona drink to steal someone's name. Have uh, have a little bit of uh, fruit salad in the morning. I mean, some of us have time to do that now. Uh, in the mornings, always good. And one of my favourite things is, uh, and I'm not, I haven't really got a sweet tooth. I'm not really a, a sweet tooth kind of guy, but passion fruit icing on top of something oh, like a banana yes. cake or something. Oh, like that. yes, definitely, definitely. Oh, and right. you don't need much to make an icing. No, not at all. Uh, you don't need it too thick. It's just that flavour really comes out and it complements what's actually in the cake itself. Yeah, the other thing, you've got show and tell for me. You've shown me some tomatoes because we are at Tomato City and H Shed of uh, Queen Victoria Market. God bless it. What do you think I'm making out of this? Uh, apple and rhubarb sponge or a pie, whatever. Yeah. How exotic are you going to get? I'm not going to get that exotic because I'm going to do what I reckon is um, if you don't do a lot of desserts... You want to start doing desserts, learn how to make a crumble recipe because all it is is just adding a few things, sprinkling over the top of some par-cooked fruit. Yes, or even a crostata. When, um, What's a crostata? My cousin and her boyfriend came back from Rome. Yeah. Uh, he made this crostata. It's um, like a shortbread crust and the strips across the top. Oh, that. Yes, Okay. And I said to him, I said, you, you're not English, you're Australian. I said, you're a bloody Italian. He says, uh, I went to London for six months. I picked up all the good stuff, mate. And it was to die for the flavours and the texture yeah. and the crunch of the um, uh, crust and the uh, strips on top was exceptional. Yes. But um, if you're not very good at making things and you know how to make a, a, a nice sponge, you just chew up your rhubarb. Now, this is... Um, uh, a Victorian variety. I think this is um, the cherry rhubarb. It's not very red because it's cold, mm. but this you, you peel it back, and even you don't even have to peel it back because the skin is very, very thin. As long as you chop off the leaves and the bottom bit, chop it up, chuck it in a pan with the apples and a bit of sugar and whatever else you want to put in. While it's um, gurgling away, you make your uh, sponge mixture, mm. then you chuck your stuff into the pan, mix your on top into the oven. While it's cooking, you you whip up a bit of cream, mate. Heaven. Boom. Boom. Done. There we go. And, uh, yeah, rhubarb's really, really good this time of year. The other thing that should be mentioned is that with the frost that we've been getting, and some of the farmers have been feeling the cold, um, literally, uh, not only (laughs) in their boots, but in their bank accounts, because frost is not a good thing. But it is good for a couple of things, and that's uh, the Brussels sprouts and the cabbages. Yes, yes. It changes their... um, um, what physiology. Can I say? Yeah, the physiology. Yeah. Uh, instead of them being um, bitter and, and hard, mm. they soften up a little bit. They become very, very sweet. Sweet. Yes. So there's nothing better than uh, steamed sprouts or even if you pull them to bits and fry them in a fry pan like some of the, the guys do, uh, the chefs. Yep. Um, I like to mash them because I reckon all that sulfur comes out of them when you mash them and you put a knob of butter in. That's a way to go. How big a knob of butter did your dad put in? Well, yeah. Big knob a of butter. Big knob of butter. That's why it's 94, mate. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, and a lot of the farmers have felt it. Um, 
my uh, grower from Langwarren actually closed the farm down last week because things weren't growing. Oh, no. So he'll be back on track this week. The beetroots will be a little bigger. Oh, OK. He didn't close down the farm. No, it's no, just no. Sort of, just okay. for a week. Just okay. for a week. All right. Just let things... Um, take a bit of a holiday. Take a little bit of a holiday and grow up a little bit more. Yes. So, you know, he probably went around saying, listen, boys, you better grow up this week and yeah. get out there. Yeah. So, um, yeah, we still may do. Other, other growers had stuff for me, so we didn't miss a beat. Um... Spring onions or so, you'll find the bunch is a little bit smaller. I had some Dutch carrots. This grower had the audacity to put six baby carrots the size of my finger, little finger, in a bunch. You know, that's a little bit mean. But when you haven't got something to bunch, what do you do? Well, I guess you just, just take it. That's, uh, that's all you can do. Or you just walk away. Um, now, I've got to say, one of the great things about winter is when you come to the markets... I mean, it always looks good, but it seems the cold weather just keeps everything looking amazing. Yeah, you get that vibrancy, you know. Um, Mm. When you look at the colours, um, not much stuff looks sad. Everything looks alive and vibrant and saying, eat me, eat me. Oh, my God. Leave that child alone. What is that? Um, It's a cardboard recycler. Uh, there's a huge bin yeah. that sits on the back of it. It's, it's doing the polystyrene, I think. That's what's, It's all that polystyrene. Yeah, screen. I'd say they put Sorry a, about um, that, folks. a hard cardboard bin and it's probably um, the muncher that's taking its time. Yeah, wait. Um, yeah, right. so, um, you know, if you look at eggplants, um, they're a little bit dearer this week. They came out of North Queensland, but they're still vibrant. Yeah. Artichokes, they look spectacular. A couple of weeks ago, they were looking a little bit limpy. I know what I'm having for for late lunch today. Oh, very good. I hope you enjoy it. Yeah, yeah. Very, um, very quickly, got to say, we've said it a million times. It is just an onion on the bottom of a pan. Cut up the potato. Cut up the artichoke and put that in there. Bring it up to the boil. Let it simmer for a little while. Lots of parsley on top. And bread. And, and it's if, sort of a soupy, yummy thing. And if you're lucky, you can chuck in a handful of raw beans. Oh, that's what I nearly forgot. Yeah, yeah of course. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, you know, things like Cablanero, it's beautiful. I, I get the big bunches and um, I, I cut out all the hard ribs out of it and make it just ready to go straight into the pot. Mm. Uh, that's been running away as well. We just sauté that, you know, six minutes and it's cooked. Or you can either throw it into a minestrone instead of using a Savoy cabbage. And it's amazing how popular that stuff has gotten over the... Well, what, over the 10 years we've sort of seen it sort of come into the markets? Yeah, it took a little bit of time, and I was probably one of the sceptics as well because when the grower gave it to me the first time, he said, take it home and try it. I cremated it, so it tasted bitter, ah. and um, I didn't try it again until next season. And then I started to sell it, and I was selling mountains of it. Six minutes, remember that. All right, John, pick of the market. Pick of the market. Well, I wish I could sell you some peas of beans. They ran away. They were all coming out of Queensland. They were just so tender, the beans, and the peas were so sweet that people bought double what they were normally buying. Mm. Um, cauliflower is still about five bucks. They're beautiful and white, tight. One will probably give you a couple of meals. Um, capsicum, six dollars. They're okay, but They're it's okay. a great way to get your vitamin C in these cold months. Yeah, we're very lucky. We've got the, some from South Australia got more sugar. The ones from acid uh, from Queensland got a little bit more acid in them, but each has got a different job. Uh, again, you name it, we got it all here. Come through the market, decide what you want to have for dinner, and go from there. Pick the O's out of the market. Come and say good day, John. Thanks as always. Thank you. I wish there was a bit more sunshine, but it's trying. <laughs>
All right, have a good one. Bye-bye. The show is called Eat It. The station rocks, of course, and another person who absolutely rocks. And finally, <laughs> finally, we get to have a chat with her on air. I've only been trying to do this, and uh, and uh, you're offside, uh, Matt Stone, for I don't know how many years. But Joe Barrett, welcome to Three Triple R. How you going? Great. How are you? Better, better for talking to you, Doc. Better for talking Aww. to you. Um, Thanks for having me. <laughs> pleasure. Uh, my only wish is that, uh, well, once all this thing is over, we'll have uh, guests back in the studio and, uh, and most importantly, we can get barmen and cocktail makers and booze makers to offer you a drink at the end of the show. Mm. <laughs> that sounds amazing. Yeah, well, it's always good to make a drink, but in this time uh, that we've been doing things, we have been making things ourselves, and I want to talk to you about that because one of the things I love about you, Joe, is an inquiring mind, always looking to what's new, what's different, um, how to broaden the repertoire and uh, the technique that you have. Would that be a correct assumption? Oh, thanks, Cam. It's so nice. <laughs> yeah, there's um, lots of things to cook, like you said, other than sourdough, although yes. I did just pour a loaf of sourdough out of the oven. <laughs> yeah, I say, and as I said, not that there's anything wrong with sourdough. I love a loaf of sourdough, but it's just been uh, kind of, uh, well, if we talk zeitgeist, it's saturated the zeitgeist of, of Instagram. Nick Bennett, yeah. again, I'm talking to you. If you show me another loaf of that sourdough that you do... Damn, they're awesome loaves. But let's talk a little bit about you first. Um, Joe. where – I forget, Melbourne – are you from Melbourne? I'm trying to remember. Yeah, born and bred around those Doncaster <laughs> tomato areas. Ah, um, <laughs> the, the, the John inhabits, yes. Yeah, so around Templestowe and Blackburn area. And yeah. then yes. yeah, now we're in Northcote, so – Melbourne, born and bred. Oh, the People's Republic. How good is that? <laughs> yeah, but now we're out in the Yarra Valley um, just by day working at Oak Ridge. Yeah, what an what a awesome mm. gig you guys have had. When, of course, the winery and that incredible restaurant is operating and the food that you're able to do. How long have you guys been there at Oak Ridge now? So in August it'll be five years, which um, that's gone pretty quickly. I still feel like we're in wow. our first year. Um but the garden says differently. It's gone through quite a few seasons now, and uh, we've actually just pulled up the garden just through uh, COVID, just letting all the beds go fallow and regenerate, and we'll start oh, really? planting soon. Yeah. So Did you, you thought you'd give, give it a little bit of... As a lot of the environment has been given a rest um, from this, you know, there's one thing we don't see is is jet aircraft above us polluting the, the skies. Mm. And um, and you've decided just to give the, the land a little bit of a, a relax. Yeah, so usually um, when we are at work, we would just rest fed. Um, but this time, you know, we didn't want to waste any food. So uh, at the start of the restaurant closing, we all went up and picked food for all of everyone's family and kind of got through that. And then now hmm. just, I mean, you're not really usually have an amount of time like this. So we just took advantage of it to let the soil regenerate a little bit and then we'll start planting now. So we've got a greenhouse which we've just been doing all our seed propagation in and just getting things ready because it has been a bit of a difficult season just with the cold weather. and um, It's been a bit of frost yeah. around, hasn't it, I've been hearing? Yeah, 
definitely. It's been pretty chilly. <laughs> and where's where's the greenhouse? So it's just we've got two garden beds. Um, so it's just next to one of the garden beds, and that was that happened a lot later. So I haven't seen the greenhouse. Yeah, okay. Yeah, that's grew it. things in stages. Now, hmm. um, one of the, the we have got a little bit of a time to talk, which is awesome. Um, and one of the things I did want to um, chat with you is that. Um, you went and spent a bit of time in a country that, well, yeah, originally I was a citizen of and did my last year of school. Uh, you went to Canada for a little while. I did, yeah. Uh, when I 2006, finished, was it? Uh, 2007. 2007. So I did 2006. I was at a restaurant and did my start of my apprenticeship at Delacy's, mm. which is pretty there anymore. Uh, and then I was really lucky and got a scholarship with school to go and study in Canada. Mm. So I did full-time school there and then worked at a little French bistro. It was amazing. Got to snowboard on my weekends and <laughs> cook during the week. Yeah, but the, the thing is that you sort of, um, from what I can gather with the, the thing going to Canada, is that you learned a fair bit of classical technique. Yeah, I, I've always been a real believer in strong technique and how I can open up a lot of freedom. Uh, and I think, you know, food now... Hang, hang about, Joe. To... Joe, just to just to stop you for a sec, we're starting to lose the line a little bit. So what we're going to do is ask you just to move around a little bit, um, just for the listeners, so that we get a better a better How's listen. How's that? What do you reckon, Kent? Kent's yeah, it's good. Yeah. Okay. So strong believer in technique. Go. Yeah, and um, I guess in Canada, at school we did you know full buffet service with charcuterie and. Chefroid. Um, yeah, and Briand and yes. the restaurant that I worked at, we did tableside carvings and we had a duck press and it used to come out to the table and, you know, you would um, carve the duck at the table and then oh press it in this big brass press and come back to it and make a sauce and then run back out and I love that side of cooking. <laughs> did you, so, um, uh, now, uh, cuisine, uh, the guide culinaire, who am I thinking of? God, where's my brain gone? Not Bocuse. Before Bocuse, um, there was Escoffier. That's right. (laughs) So, did you? You had a copy of Escoffier? Oh yeah. I when I was young, um, we used to go into readings in Carlton, and I'd have a look in the cookbook section. Instead of buying cookbooks, I'd always buy the terminology books. And I remember annoying Mum going, "Did you know?" So you would have had herrings too, probably. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, herrings is good for that. I remember, um, this is about you, but just as a very, very quick anecdote, a million years ago I used to work at the Intercontinental Hotel. Um, There used to be a sous chef, the guy in the black pants who used to, you know, run around the place and, you know, uh, make sure everything was cool. He ran away from home when he was 14 years old, cooked from a scoffier, right? And oh, I, wow. I remember once doing a room service order for Shirley Bassey or something like that, and I had to do a roast chicken, and this guy said, Cam, you should probably do a sauce roll bear. Um, <laughs> and I said, what's a sauce roll bear? And he went, look it up in your scaffier. It's a recipe number. And he said, I think it's page 745. And first of all, I didn't know what the hell Escoffier was. Got the Escoffier. First thing I did in the bookshop, turned to that page, and he nailed it. He he wow. memorised it. 
And that was pretty impressive. But I guess one of the things, sorry, it's going to be over to you, is the fact that before you can break the rules, you've got to learn them, don't you? A hundred percent. It's really interesting because I have been slowly making my way through a book that Ronnie Despazio gave me. Ronnie gave you a book? Yeah, it was uh, written from uh, 1530 and it was Scarpi, who was a chef for the Pope. And he it was kind of the first cookbook that was written for other chefs. Wow. Back then it was um, just recipes that were written from, you know, mum passed on to the next-door neighbour's mum. But this one was more of a professional guide. And it's incredible how he talks about a chef should know how to treat ingredients that are in season. And he talks so much about seasonality <laughs> and technique. And yes. I feel like... Um, you know, like anything, you go to school and you learn your trade or if you're being a lawyer, you go to uni and you'd learn that. Yep. I feel like cooking is the same and, I mean, it's really, it's amazing. It's approachable, but it does come from the skill base. And um, I think, you know, we, we don't have as much time to cook uh, before COVID, so some of those skills are lost, but, you know, people are reconnecting with them, which is amazing, and realising how much joy it brings you when you create something. I think that's why sourdough has been, you know, has kicked off because you get a sense of achievement of, oh, I cared for that and look what I've made in the end. Because it is, it's, it's a mm. whole bunch of stuff, isn't it? It's nurturing, it's technique, um, it's the flood of endorphins when the thing comes out of the oven and your house smells divine. Yeah, something to talk about as well. Yeah, yeah brag about <laughs> my sourdough's better than your sourdough. Um, but to, hey, um, Joe, what was the name of that book that Ronnie gave you? Uh, it's called Scampi. It's all in Italian, so it's been translated. I'll um, put it up on mine. Scampi. For everyone, everyone to have a look at. Is yeah. that Scampi like the crustacean? Uh, yes. C a m p i. Okay, cool. Yep. I might get you to move around just a little bit too, because we're starting to just just keep moving, and everything should be kind of clear. Yeah. Um, so you came, yeah, so Canada sounds like it was an awesome thing for you to do. Yeah, it was amazing. And then... Where, where were you also, in Canada? Where, where I was in Calgary. Um, oh, so you were Calgary, in the Rockies. Like a, yeah, it was really cowboy kind of area. We had the Calgary Stampede, but yep. it really was my first... I'm not a big drinker, and I guess the people I was hanging out with were really into wine, and my cooking partner at school actually was doing her cooking course because she was trying a house and she wanted to have food knowledge and oh, wow, had the yeah. same belief about got to know as much as you can. So I started to learn a bit about wine and we were really lucky that the restaurant that we were in, we did weekly trainings about wine and charcuterie. So when I came back, I um, yeah started to do a bit of front of house training because um, yeah believed in you got to know what's happening out the front as well as a restaurant. That's so it. that was really yeah. nice. It did ignite, I guess, the whole, even further, just the passion for hospitality in its entirety, not just from the kitchen. Yeah, see, see the whole the the whole picture type thing, absolutely. Mm. And um, with this COVID thing, the the world came crashing down on us, and it must have been terrible for you guys, as he said. It's like, well, we've got a garden full of food. My God, we're going to feed people, and what are we going to do with that? And you virtually mm. had to had to leave it, and it would have been pretty tough. What have you and um, uh, Matt, and we we're referring to Matt Stone, um, 
what have you guys been up to in cooking and doing during this period? Um, yeah, it was pretty hard at the start. We did, uh, like I said, go back and pull out the garden. So we spent a bit of time doing that. And then I guess just it was pretty difficult seeing your friends kind of, um, you know, scurry to keep things alive and the transition into takeaway and things yeah. like that was it was hard to see. And I guess we, because we didn't do that, took a little bit of time to catch up on some sleep and some rest and yes. um, we moved house and then just started cooking and from that I had had this vision to write a book and I had been writing my recipes down and I had a pretty clear idea of what I wanted to do but then when it came to execution and um, my friend Yana Longhorse who's an incredible food photographer Whoa, whoa, we had whoa, been whoa just speaking. a second What's it, Yana Longhorse? Yeah, long horsed. Oh, horsed. Yeah. Horsed. Yeah. I thought she was just long horse. Yeah, okay, that makes more sense. <laughs> uh, yeah, so, Jana, she sounds like she's German. She is. Yeah. Um, and, and, and she so has we had been... a good eye and technique. <laughs> she's incredible. Yeah. Um, and we had been planning to shoot a book for a long time. And then when it came to actually writing down our shoot, and Oak Ridge were very generous, they used the kitchen and used the restaurant to shoot it felt a little bit forced and we just couldn't get it done and then Yana said oh why don't we do a magazine and then it kind of clicked that maybe the book was a bit of an ego thing and that really what I wanted to do was have people to be able to cook things and it might just be one recipe so in that time now in it will be eight weeks this week uh, we have written a magazine uh, and it's all based around it's called Have a Go Series, and it's for people at home to cook, or you could be a young chef, and it's technique-driven. It's like a technical guide magazine, so one recipe per edition where you can have a go at something that maybe you have been frightened to try or you thought, oh, you know, cheese making, I never do that because I don't know what rennet is and you need time and you need all this stuff, and mm. really, you don't. <laughs> it's, so, um, it, it is, it's like... Well, it's like anything, isn't it? If you to learn technique, you've got to approach it, and to use your words, you've got to have a go. So, you have produced a um, a mag, and it is it's it's feta, isn't it? That you've done for this one, yeah, yeah. Feta. First edition is feta. Oh, yeah. from or, or AKA fromage blanc. Um, mm. Is that the French word for feta? Is that the same thing? So fromage blanc is white cheese, and that's probably more of a softer style. Yeah, and less cheese, salt. Less salt too, yeah. Yeah, and you start off with that, and then feta, kind of like sauces, ha- yes. derives from that. Where you press it a little bit more, and so, then if you wanted uh, another, so, like a firmer one, you'd brine it from there. Yeah. So fromage blanc is the mother, we could say. Yeah, the first. Yeah, the first. The first. Mm-hmm. Um, well, this sounds really exciting. So, um, the book's called Have. A, uh, the magazine's called Have a Go. How do people get their hands on this book? So we're launching it this week, uh, which is really exciting because we've been holding on to this first edition for a while. Mm. And then just head to the website. We set up a website, Have a Go series, mm. and it's just available online and. Yeah, just one simple recipe that is broken down with stunning photography by Yana. And, um, yeah, we're hoping that it just engages people and gives them a foundation to expand upon because there's just so much information out there that sometimes it can be quite overwhelming. Yeah. So we were hoping just to provide a platform for people for some of these more 
I don't know, I guess scary and technical side of cooking, but I mean they're craft and they've been done for centuries and with people who don't have this kind of equipment. So to think that you wouldn't be able to do it now is crazy. Silly. Yeah, it's, it's, <laughs> it's actually no, you're silly. It's just silly because um, this timing, Joe, is perfect because. I would say to you over the last, well, I don't know, what do you think, four or five years, we've seen such a boom in the concept of fermenting. Mm. Yeah? Um, yeah, definitely. And so, you know, this is this is ultimately making cheese is a fairly simple thing. You have milk, you need to denature the proteins and to coagulate them so um, you can then separate to curds and whey, yeah? Is that right? Yeah, you're just setting milk, really, and setting then uh, inoculating it. With, to say it. Yes. <laughs> you're just inoculating it with the bacteria that's going to stop it from souring. Yep. But you're going to um, promote kind of the good bacteria growth, which once they're thriving, they fend off anything bad. So if you create some good conditions for that good bacteria to thrive, then you're going to be making cheese. And there's so many cheeses out there that you don't need to have a cheese cave or a wine fridge you can just make them on your kitchen bench and then shove them in your fridge. <laughs> shove them in your fridge and then, and then enjoy them. And um, <clears throat> you've been very, very kind to me and um, sent me a little look, and I've got to say that uh, you're right. The photographs look really, really amazing. And and if you are scared of this, folks out there, um, it's it's not that hard. You just need... Um, some sieves, you need a thermometer, you need a stainless steel bowl. The only thing that's hard um, that might be a little bit daunting for some people is you need the coagulant. In this case, you're using rennet. Where do you mm. get rennet from? So online is really easy. Health food stores usually have it, but oh, online yeah. you can place an order. I use a company called Cheese Link. Oh, say that again. You just kind of broke up, and I might get you to move around again one more time, Joe. Sorry. Sorry. Um, So, cheese links, and they're cheese links. Got it. Mm. Kent's nodding his head. He's going, ah, cheese links. Got it. Yep. (laughs) And they'll send it to you, so you don't even have to leave to go and find it. And if you can't get liquid rennet, you can find it in tablet form, uh, which is like a powdered rennet, and then you don't even have to use it all. You know, it lasts for six months, and the powdered one lasts even longer. So even if you don't get through it, you're not wasting any money because you'll have it there. Yeah. And you don't need to be afraid of it. You can – it's very easy to use. Yeah, it's yeah. E- easy peasy. Um, mm. So uh, you've been doing cheese. That's coming out. Have a go. We've spoken about that. We've got about three minutes left. Um, I've also seen you and Matt have been making at home the most glorious-looking filled pastas, some beautiful – Tortellini. Yeah, master, um, Matt has really mastered the pasta. Um, oh my god! You sort of took about perfection. I mean, it's almost to yeah. the point of maybe a slight bit of OCD there with his arrangements, perhaps. <laughs> I'm pretty lucky, Matt, uh, and he's probably killed me to say this. Yeah, go on. Because he cooks really well at the restaurant, but at home seems to cook even better. I don't know if it's Ooh. something about not having expectation on him. But it's incredible, just uh, really delicious. So I've been lucky. I've probably been doing some cooking that is a bit more one-off and might take a whole day to prepare something, whereas every night Matt's been just cooking something. and Knocks it out of the yeah, park. Really lucky. We just received some truffles as well, so... 
Oh. <laughs> have some good meals. Yeah, cool. Um, <clears throat> it is, actually, that's not a bad thing to do. Uh, truffles, what's, what's your go-to recipe for just at home? Not for the, you know, oh, my God, in a restaurant, but... What, what's... I mean, nothing beats... Uh, last night we had a roast chicken. And yeah. I mean, you can't really go past a beautiful chicken roasted well with truffle on it and, you know, some eggs... They're kind of a classic for a reason because they're really delicious and you don't have to do much when you have beautiful ingredients. And that's kind of where cooking stems from. It's having beautiful produce and then just treating it with respect. And that's what that book says. That's what uh, he says in it. That was back in the 1500s. You know, you just need to treat produce with respect. And, I mean, that's what you do with truffles. <laughs> and, and just let them shine. And the other thing that um, was, was my great thing that I've learned this year is that... Uh, if you're going to shave a truffle, don't bother. Well, you can have a couple, you know, shave slices for the, you know, for your garnish. But if you really want the flavour, get a microplane onto it because you get more surface area and you get more of an intense aroma, and that's what it's all about. Mm, last night we we didn't have a truffle uh, slicer. We used a peeler. Ah, <laughs> oh, boom! There you go. Well, listen, big big hug to you, big hug to Matt. Um, we're going to have to leave you. It's been a delight to speak with you, Joe. And uh, just to get your plug out one more time, how do we get your book? So head to haveagoseries.com. Uh, it'll be available there this week. And yeah, we hope everyone gets involved with some cooking and trying something that you've never had a go at. Done. <laughs> and I can't wait to come back at some stage and see you both up at Oak Ridge and uh, have some of Bignall's incredible wine and have some of your food and just see you guys because I miss you. Yeah, same goes. Thanks, Ken. Pleasure, Joe. <laughs> Alrighty. See ya. Catcha. Bye. Hi, this is Cam Smith, and you've been listening to the podcast of Triple R's Eat It, a weekly radio show about food and drink, broadcast live on Triple R from Melbourne, Australia, every Sunday. Hope you enjoyed the podcast, and feel free to get in touch with us via the Triple R website. 